Welcome to another episode of Demolition Now, the official podcast of the National Demolition Association. Our goal with this podcast is to provide you with a mixture of content and analysis of the issues impacting the demolition industry, along with engaging interviews of industry leaders, experts, and analysts that will provide unique perspectives on the industry today. If you have suggestions for topics for future episodes, please email them to me at kmckenney at demolitionassociation.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Demolition Now through iTunes or Stitcher, available in the Google Play Store. You can also listen to us online through the NDA website. On this episode, NDA Executive Director Jeff Lambert is joined by Dr. Devin Bennett of LPS Inc. Dr. Bennett discusses ways in which companies can improve their safety results as well as their loss prevention performance. Then, NDA Awards Committee Chair Richard Adamo provides an update on the now open NDA scholarship and award applications. Finally, Kevin McKenney, NDA Director of Government Affairs, will provide an update on current NDA priorities and discuss how the upcoming election may change NDA's policy agenda. Welcome back to the program. Since the pandemic hit in March, Many members have been reaching out about safety and safety concerns regarding COVID. Safety has always been a paramount concern of the NDA and our members. Health, safety, and well-being employees is top of mind for each of our members and the industry. NDA has invested significant resources in safety, safety talks, our safety app, and our safety manual, as well as many other documents on the website. After the pandemic hit, we did produce a safety talk on COVID-19. Safety remains top of mind and will be throughout the rest of the pandemic and beyond. As part of our safety initiative and our push, we have invited our next speaker to talk to us a little bit about what they do and some of the thoughts and ideas they have on safety best practices. I'd like to welcome to the program, Dr. Devin Bennett. He's a partner with LPS. Loss Prevention Systems Incorporated. He has worked as a safety and loss prevention consultant for the last 22 years. David and LPS Inc. have assisted Fortune 500 companies to privately owned businesses in safety and loss prevention implementation and sustainability activities in the petroleum, chemical, biofuels, manufacturing, transportation, logistics, environmental, architectural, construction, and demolition industries, to name a few. Dr. Bennett has dedicated his professional life to helping organizations improve their safety results, as well as their loss prevention performance through the use of effective risk management practices and a proven leadership development approach. Dr. Bennett, welcome to the program. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be with you. Well, we certainly appreciate you taking some time here to be with us. Um, want to ask you a few questions about safety, safety-related concerns. As I mentioned earlier, that's probably the number one topic that folks are reaching out to us about, um, mm -hmm. especially at the start of the pandemic. And you know, a lot of, um, a lot of our members are asking questions regarding um, what are some practices I can put in place? What are some indicators I can look to? Um, so in your opinion, what is the number one thing a contractor can do to prevent accidents on the job site? Well, I think there's, you know, I think there's one thing to consider when in the environment that in which we're living, you know, there's no, there's no magic bullet, right? There's no one small minor thing that, 
you know, I would say is, uh, is going to significantly and drastically, you know, reduce uh, accidents on the, on the overall job site. I think, I think the one thing that organizations can do that contract organizations can do is really empower the organization really with, with, with an effective safety and loss prevention, you know, process that really applies to everyone. Um, and when I say everyone, you know, because everyone can, can experience or, you know, suffer losses within their organization, um, you know, whether it's for managers or supervisors or, you know, maybe employees and contractors that are kind of at the coal phase day in and day out. And, you know, coupled with that, I think it's important for them, along with some safety or loss prevention process, to have something that, that has some leadership development activity around that. Um, so safety and loss prevention becomes really everybody's responsibility. So what are a few effective behavior-based tools contractors can utilize to improve safety? Yeah, I think, you know, I think when you look at what it is that we're trying to prevent. So when we talk about in your first question, when you talk about accidents, right? Accidents could be related to things like safety issues, obviously, you know, things like first aids or recordable incidents, lost time incidents, uh, but also accidents, uh, at least, you know, from my perspective, could be things like equipment and property damage to things like excavators in a you know, demolition industry, backhoes, motor vehicle accidents, uh, maybe striking assets below the ground, you know, that, that, you know, people might not know they're there like pipelines or electrical lines, but some, some, some effective behavior-based tools that I think contractors, contractor organizations can use to really improve their safety are probably about three or fourfold. One of them, uh, I think it's always important to kind of have a last minute risk assessment tool. Um, that basically tries to integrate this risk management mindset into how employees think through their daily tasks and activities uh, of trying to prevent, you know, those different types of accidents that we talked about. Um, I think it's also really important to have some form of uh, job task analysis. There, there's probably different terminology for this in the industry, whether it's job task analysis or job safety analysis, where, where risks and, you know, mitigation strategies are basically developed and kind of designed, but, but, you know, across certain things like high risk tasks or tasks with loss history, maybe some error likely situations. And then probably the last, the last two uh, behavior based tools that I would recommend is a workplace observation where we're out there kind of measuring and monitoring how work is being performed based on, you know, company standards, company expectations, you know, regulations to, to really help improve, the overall human and organizational performance uh, of how those activities and processes are actually executed. But also something where we've got, maybe if we have near losses or near misses, things that almost happen or things that do happen, we've got to figure out a way to obviously learn from those and, and kind of have a good near loss or uh, you know, incident investigation process. Um, but when you look at you know, the, maybe the, a workplace observation, when you look at kind of a near miss or a near loss or an investigation process, you've got to have uh, a root cause analysis activity uh, that really addresses not only the human performance elements uh, that could be, con you know, contributing to some of those issues, but also some organizational factors as well. Well, that's really interesting. I mean, the risk assessment tool um, that you mentioned, you know, just a little plug for our risk management course um, that we have. Um, which is taught by uh, Tim Barker and Greg Menon. Um, we do address some of these things in our risk management course, 
and go uh, and talk and discuss about root cause analysis. Um, you know, and I would encourage anybody listening to consider registering, signing up for our next virtual offering, which will be here in November and December. Um, but it, you know, it brings up a larger question for me, uh, which is integrated safety and loss prevention system. So, you know, can you go deeper into that? Um, what is it? Um, how can our members utilize it? Um, what are some things that, that they can, lessons they can take from this particular system? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Cause I know, I know companies, uh, in your industry and other industries are always trying to find a good way to, uh, to integrate their safety, the loss prevention program or system into their organization. So I guess when you, when you start talking about integrating safety and loss prevention, really, I, I, I kind of look at three big picture topics. Um, one is the tools and the activities in the safety and loss prevention system uh, itself truly, truly need to work together and kind of feed off one another as a system really, you know, really would. So the, you know, the tools and the learnings within the safety and loss prevention system, um, things that come out of like workplace observations or things that come out of, you know, incident investigations, those things should be, um, you know, captured in different maybe proactive risk management tools so that we're learning from some of those uh, at-risk items or some of those near losses or some of those you know losses that have occurred within our business to really try and proactively prevent those things from actually happening again. So really kind of all these uh, tools and systems kind of working together. The second thing is um, when you talk about an integrated safety and loss prevention system, by default, it really needs to become how the organization functions. Uh, you know, too often when you look at safety systems or programs, uh, some of those activities are kind of a one-off or, you know, they have a toolbox talk in the morning and then people go to work, right? So it needs to be really integrated and not a unique activity that, that's more or less like have an add-on or an afterthought. So, uh, you know, this isn't just for the safety, health, and environmental department to manage. Obviously, it's everybody's responsibility. So, you know, for example, if I'm responsible for my group or team's production or the quality or the cost or the budget, well, then I ought to be responsible for, for their overall safety and loss prevention performance. So it's really got to be integrated into what people do. Um, but, but how you do that is it's got to be integrated into some organizational goals and objectives. So, you know, for example, organizations, whether it's on, you know, demolition projects or jobs, um, different milestones on certain demolition projects and jobs, should really define the goals and objectives uh, with their projects or with, or with their overall activities. And then outlining, okay, what are our, you know, what are our high risk tasks? What are our tasks where we maybe have had maybe some history of challenges or opportunities or maybe some error likely situations that have the biggest impact on achieving our organizational goals and objectives. And then really taking those safety and loss prevention tools and activities and integrating and connecting those to those tasks that really have the, have a huge impact on the organization's business goals and objectives. And, and um, you know, supervisors and managers have a significant role to play, uh, as we all know, in improving safety and loss prevention performance. So, you know, there, there has to be some sort of, uh, or at least we'd recommend, or I'd recommend, um, having some key leadership practices that leaders need to integrate into their oversight and into their management of the organization, just like they would oversee activities for day-to-day -day work um, in their uh, in their in their work environment. 
So just a little follow-up question there then. So you work with um, leadership and talk about some of, some of these characteristics with leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Is this, when you, when you work with a company, is this something that um, you start at the top and then, and then work with the superintendents or how, how do you do that when you go in and work with, with, a, with an organization? Yeah, I mean, personally, within our company, the first thing that that we normally do is start with the uh, kind of the leadership team or the executive leadership team to make sure that uh, they're they are committed to uh, the process in which we have. They're committed to you know the journey of kind of how we outline uh, how we're going to go through the implementation and overall sustainability activities within our system and process. And then as we go through the um, the actual uh, implementation of our our uh, safety and loss prevention system, um, it's really working from the ground up, right? It's really leveraging uh, and capitalizing on the job knowledge, the job experts, you know, their their expertise uh, in the day-to-day work environment, whether they're employees and contractors, because, you know, our mindset is no one knows more about the person, the, about the job than the person who actually does it, right? So, um, if we really want to try and improve the organization's risk management skills, uh, we're, we're certainly going to do that at all levels. Uh, but you really got to uh, take it to, to the next level when you're, when you're talking to people who are in, in harm's way day to day. That's great. So your system is more of a whole company approach. As, as it's approach. A, yeah, it's a holistic approach to, uh, from leadership activities and leadership development um, from, you know, executives and managers and supervisors um all the way down to you know where where the actual tools and activities are being used and applied to really improve people's risk management skills and abilities uh holistically not just for safety but for safety for process safety for environmental performance for equipment and property damage like any any sort of downgrading business event or unplanned cost that's what our clients really use our system for well, that's great. I mean, you often hear the the adage, you know, safety is is a culture. Safety um, needs to be ingrained in the entire organization, you know. And unfortunately, um, you know, you may see the the upper management at some organizations um, that have bought in, but it's not, you know, it's not system wide. And so, you know, I certainly know that. You, you've probably seen companies where, where there seems to be a disconnect there. And I think, you know, um, by and large, that seems to be a comment that I hear is, how do I bring in the whole organization into this? And it sounds like your system, mm-hmm. um, you know, going bottom up um, accomplishes, accomplishes that where maybe, um, you know, so that disconnect is not there because that, that seems to me the, the, the number one complaint that I hear is like, I need mm-hmm. to get everybody on board, not just one or two people or just my C-suite folks or just my, you know, supers, but I, I need the people on boots on the ground um, there too. So that's, that's, yeah, we've got a, we, you know, we have an expression within our company of, you know, we, we basically solve, you know, within, within our organizations, we solve problems from the bottom up because no one knows more about the job than the person doing it, but we also provide some guidance and direction from the top down. Can you tell us a little bit about your system? Yeah, so we've got um, you know, our system that we have, it's called the loss prevention system, as you mentioned, Jeff, and um, it's based on about 40 years of, of industrial experience. Um, 
I think I think as, as you mentioned in the intro, it's it's been implemented in about 100 countries, about 10 10 different industries. Um, but when we look at and go work with clients, you know, there's one key word in that loss prevention system, which is you know loss. So we define loss as any sort of unplanned cost, things like injuries, property and equipment damage, you know, fines. Uh, I guess for uh, demolition companies, things like fines from inspections or permitting issues, you know, on overall projects. But we have we have a system of tools that are based on human and organizational performance principles where there's a lot of you know high level of active engagement of the job experts people you know performing the work but it really creates a learning culture where where job experts are, are really empowered to proactively learn from one another to really improve all aspects of what they do so our system really uh, i guess in kind of layman's terms it changes how people how people at all levels of the organization think about and manage risks so they're taking more or less a holistic approach to loss prevention so they're not just looking at the safety part of it or not looking at just the property and equipment damage part of it but really all different types um, and trying to prevent and manage all different types of unplanned costs within their business and because they're taking that approach lps really is integrated into the organization so it becomes how the work is performed how it's led by supervision how it's managed by you know, managers and, and, you know, executives. So it's really, you know, I think, as you mentioned earlier, when you're, when you're looking at getting the whole system uh, involved in, in, in uh, loss prevention, we're really getting the whole organizational system. And I won't get into the, you know, details, but we do have things like a, like a mental risk assessment tool. We've got so, something called a, a job, a job task, like analysis tool. We've got a workplace observation tool, um, a near loss or kind of a loss learning tool, but, uh, and as well as a root cause analysis tool that that looks at and addresses the human performance related you know issues as well as the organizational factors within an organization. Um, but really, what's what's kind of made our system effective over the years is we have a, a really strong stewardship and leadership process for for really overseeing and monitoring how our system's being used, the quality of how it's being used day in and day out by people in the workplace and how it's being supervised and managed. So, um, you know, really, really making sure that uh, managers and supervisors are, are leading loss prevention and safety, just like they would other aspects of their business. Um, but uh, there's a lot, there's, there's some visible leadership activities involved that are, you know, more or less kind of characterized by doing things that are important, visible, largely measurable, proactive, and kind of impactful to the business. And, um, and probably lastly, we, you know, we have a, a, a pretty well-defined implementation and sustainability process where clients, uh, you know, we've, we've been blessed and lucky enough where clients have been able to get industry leading, you know, industry leading results, but uh, year after year, it's kind of predictable and, and overall sustainable performance. It's interesting. Well, listen, I, I, um, I really hope that you can join us at a future date, uh, whether in person or perhaps uh, another virtual offering uh, so we can explore some of these questions a little bit more in depth, but I appreciate you taking the time. And one last question for you, Dr. Bennett, how do folks get a hold of you? Uh, well, how folks can get a hold of me uh, or us is uh, obviously people can feel free to email me at uh, Devin Bennett, so D-E-V-I-N, B-E-N-N-E-T-T -T at lpscenter.net. That's L-P-S-C-E-N-T-E-R.net. Or they can go to our website and uh, at lpscenter.net. And our, uh, we have a, 
another email address there at info at lpfcenter.net if they'd like to use that. Well, great. Dr. Bennett, thank you for joining us. Much appreciated. Thank you. Appreciate it. I would now like to welcome NDA Awards Committee Chairman Richard Adamo to the podcast. Richard will provide an overview of the scholarship and award applications now open. My name is Richard Adamo and I am currently the chair for the awards committee and I'd like to provide you with some updates on the status of the upcoming 2020-2021 awards that the NDA provides to its members. First of all, I'd like to discuss with membership the opportunity for the NDA's scholarship awards. These scholarship opportunities are awarded to an immediate family member of an owner or employee of a regular member company of the NDA and provide support in the advancement of their career through continuing education opportunities. The scholarship award application was strengthened by updating the essay questions and the scoring system updated to include objective and subjective items that will identify candidates who will use their education to add value to the demolition industry. At this time, we've extended the application process and applications are due October 23rd, 2020. The next award is the NDA's Excellence in Demolition Awards. Excellence in Demolition Awards are the industry's prestigious recognition program, which honors NDA members who have demonstrated significant community involvement last year. The awards are presented annually to companies that have made a, quote, quality of life, unquote, impact on their community. Any public or private project is eligible to qualify. Applicants are encouraged to submit more than one project for consideration. They are eligible to submit one per category. The Excellence in Demolition Award scoring system was also updated to incorporate more objective items while still preserving the subjective analysis of projects that will assist the industry committee in furthering NDA's research data technology strategic pillar. The next award on the list is the recently added award for the Mike Casbon Safety Award. The Mike Casbon Safety Award was newly developed by the NDA Awards Committee last year in conjunction with the NDA's Safety Committee and honors the legacy of the late Mike Casbon. Mike was a member of NDA's Education Committee, Safety Committee, and Government Affairs Committee and was instrumental in the development of NDA's Foundation of Demolition Management Education Series and posthumously received NDA's Hall of Fame award in 2019. In addition to his contributions to the NDA, he was also a subject matter expert for OSHA Training Institute, OTI, and had trained more than 1,000 compliance officers on field inspection principles. The next award is the NDA's Hall of Fame awards. Hall of Fame program recognizes and honors elite industry leaders whose commitment, ingenuity, and devotion have significantly impacted the demolition industry and our member companies. While the Lifetime Achievement Award focuses on the body of work of a member in the industry over the course of a lifetime, the Hall of Fame Award is designed to honor professionals who have contributed significantly to the profession, but are not necessarily eligible for the Lifetime Achievement Award. Lastly is the NDA's most prestigious award, the NDA Lifetime Achievement Award. The Lifetime Achievement Award is presented to a member selected for their exceptional service to the NDA and the industry. 
The award honors members for their leadership and commitment to the NDA's organizational vision and mission and pays tribute to the individual's commitment to the betterment of their community, the company they work for, and the demolition industry as a whole. All award applications are due on October 31st. Thank you for that review of the awards, Richard. Anybody who wishes to apply for NDA scholarships or awards can find the applications by visiting the NDA website at demolitionassociation.com backslash about backslash awards. Now let's get into some government affairs updates. Over the past several of months, NDA's primary focus from a lobbying perspective has been COVID relief legislation. Of course, all of the other priorities, both legislative and regulatory for NDA, remain very much a part of our government affairs operations. The COVID-19 pandemic has made COVID relief legislation a big priority. So far, Congress has released several pieces of legislation aimed at helping both workers and employers navigate this unprecedented issue. Luckily, NDA has had several successes with regard to the legislation that has already been passed by Congress. For example, the phase three legislative package called the CARES Act provides a plethora of funding for a variety of small business relief programs, such as the Paycheck Protection Program. NDA was a very, very passionate supporter of allocating specifically at least $350 billion for the Paycheck Protection Program in order to provide demolition contractors with the flexibility that they need to navigate the pandemic. So NDA was very happy to see that Congress agreed with the organization and did end up allocating close to $350 billion for that program. With the election coming up, that is going to significantly complicate a lot of the additional relief that is going to pass through the Congress, if they can pass anything at all this year. Over the last couple of months, NDA has been working with both the House and Senate to weigh in with specific policy priorities that are important to the demolition industry. In addition to lobbying for additional Paycheck Protection Program money and other relief programs that would help employers, NDA has been lobbying for a lot of other provisions. For example, one of the other policy priorities for NDA in COVID relief legislation is making sure that demolition contractors are not subject to frivolous lawsuits resulting from COVID-19. There's a real concern that down the road after the pandemic is handled, that employers would be open to a lot of legal liability, even though they would be complying with safe workplace requirements and following all guidance from the federal government. So NDA is a strong supporter of the current Senate proposal to provide a five-year protection for employers from liability claims. That proposal is currently, is currently supported by Senate Republicans, but it remains to be a challenge in the House of Representatives, which is controlled by Democrats. So far, the House of Representatives has passed several COVID relief bills following up from the Phase 3 CARES Act. The Senate is where a lot of the contentiousness is really taking hold. A lot of the gridlock remains between Senate Republicans and Senate Democrats, with, of course, the White House in the mix as well. 
Senate Republicans led by Majority Leader Mitch McConnell are very much in favor of that liability protection I just mentioned, in addition to some other things such as the scaled back unemployment insurance, additional PPP money, and several other provisions like providing additional cash payments to individuals. House Democrats, on the other hand, want a much larger bill from a price tag perspective. And in addition, House Democrats are much more supportive of funding for state and local governments, schools, and other areas such as those. So a lot of the gridlock really is between the different ways in which the two parties would handle this. But as I mentioned, NDA has been weighing in along the way, specifically on employer liability, expanded paycheck protection program funding so that demolition contractors have more options, not less when navigating the pandemic. And NDA is in favor of a more balanced approach to the supplemental unemployment insurance benefit. As you may know, in the phase two bill passed by Congress, they provided for a $600 supplemental unemployment insurance benefit for those affected by the COVID pandemic. So each week, workers were getting an additional $600 on top of other unemployment benefits. This applied to every state. So NDA is very much in favor of providing workers with various relief options to, in order to navigate the pandemic. However, we wanna make sure that those options are balanced and workable. In our estimation, that $600 level is not a sustainable model for employers moving forward. House Democrats favor continuing the $600 per week supplemental benefit throughout the remainder of 2020 and possibly into 2021. As, as I mentioned, NDA is very supportive of making sure that workers are protected and have options during the pandemic. At the same time, we are supportive of a balanced approach and call on both House Democrats, Senate Republicans, the White House, all stakeholders should come together in order to make sure that there is both options for workers and a workable solution for employers. So with that, NDA is continuing to lobby both the House and Senate as 2020 begins to wind down. But as I briefly mentioned, the biggest variable coming up is going to be the election. The election, as of this podcast recording, is just a few weeks away. And that is going to dictate a lot of both what happens in Congress and what happens into 2021. While NDA continues to lobby for the remainder of 2020 on the legislative side, it's going to be very challenging for Congress to pass any meaningful legislation, particularly before the election. Depending on the outcome of the election, which will determine the makeup of the Senate and the makeup of the House, in addition to determining whether or not President Trump will have a second term, these are going to play a huge role in NDA's next steps with regard to our legislative and regulatory agenda. Up until the election and afterwards, NDA is going to continue making the case that additional COVID relief legislation is needed for both workers and employers. In addition to that, NDA is looking ahead to the future and is starting to work on what the, the priorities of the association are going to be 
in a scenario where President Trump has a second term or whether former Vice President Joe Biden is elected to the presidency. But either way, NDA is going to be and continue to be the advocate for the demolition industry in Washington. Currently, NDA's Government Affairs Committee is revising our national policy agenda, which will be issued in January of 2021. If you have not seen the national policy agenda, it is a comprehensive list of all of the policy priorities of NDA. It provides a roadmap for both staff and for others on the outside, in particular members of Congress and other industry stakeholders to understand what are the definitive policy priorities of the demolition industry. With that, I would like to make a couple of announcements for members in terms of a couple ways of getting involved with government affairs. The first one, as I was just talking about, refers to the NDA Government Affairs Committee. This committee serves as the conduit to provide the direction for the association in legislative and regulatory lobbying. It is a very, very vital committee to the mission of NDA. And I and Dennis McGarrow, who is the chairman of the NDA Government Affairs Committee and Jeff Lambert, the CEO of NDA, invite you to join the committee if you are interested in dictating and weighing in and influencing on the policy priorities that NDA takes. If you have an interest in government affairs, if you have an interest in politics, if you have an interest in association advocacy, this is a great opportunity for you to get involved. In addition, it's a great opportunity for you to get involved to provide that direct industry expertise that staff need when handling legislative and regulatory issues. Ranging from Congress to OSHA to the EPA, we need that direct industry input, those industry experts in the demolition industry who can inform staff on all of the ins and outs of the industry so that when we weigh in with Congress or a regulatory agency, we can absolutely provide the best and most extensive comments possible. So if you're interested in that, please feel free to let me or Jeff Lambert know that you're interested in joining the committee. In addition, I would also like to remind everybody about NDA's grassroots advocacy operations. One of the successful aspects of a government affairs shop is grassroots advocacy. Grassroots advocacy is a, runs in parallel to direct lobbying, which is where staff such as myself and our CEO, Jeff Lambert, do direct lobbying with Congress and regulatory agencies. Grassroots is where members weigh in directly. Grassroots is the direct link between association members and industry practitioners and members of Congress and regulatory agency staff. Grassroots is the way for you to weigh in directly with Congress and the executive branch of government. NDA has a very robust grassroots advocacy operation and has been building it for quite some time. We are going to be continuing to build on our grassroots advocacy success and urge you to go to the NDA website, demolitionassociation.com, and to take action in our grassroots action center. This is a great way for you to get involved as a member of NDA and as a passionate supporter of the demolition industry. So be on the lookout for our current engagements that are currently posted to our grassroots portal and also those that are coming up. If you see an email or something in the newsletter about taking action, about weighing in with your elected officials, I urge you to do so.
it is a great, great way to connect the demolition industry with members of Congress, but more importantly, connect you and your business with members of Congress. So keep that in mind as we move forward for the rest of 2020 and into 2021. And with that, that concludes our government affairs update for today. We will have another one coming up, including a post-election analysis in November after we determine the outcome of the election. We'll give a recap of what happened on election night, where the key players are, and we'll talk a little bit about NDA's policy objectives and our priorities going into 2021. So thank you very much for listening and for all your support for the demolition industry. Speak with you next time. Thank you.